Welcome to Brilliance Realised, a podcast series from Sheridan Worldwide, featuring members of our team, our partners, our clients and specialist guests. So welcome to Brilliance Realised, a podcast series from Sheridan Worldwide, hosted by me, Annette Andrews, an executive coach at Sheridan Worldwide. Our podcast today is on the theme of conflict resolution, with us considering the role of ACAS. I'm joined by my special guest today. Thank you both for joining us. So Caroline Sheridan. Caroline, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself because I'm always worried about getting something wrong. So would you mind giving us a, a brief insight into you? Absolutely. So I'm Caroline and uh, I'm founder and CEO of Sheridan Worldwide. And I have been a mediator for some 15 years now, specialising in workplace and employment mediation. I am also chair of the Civil Mediation Council's Workplace Employment Group, and I sat on its board for some three years until April 2020. I also sit on a project advisory board alongside ACAS and other bodies as well, looking at the role of conflict and productive workplace environments. Thank you. And our other guest today is Julie Dennis from ACAS. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, do you mind giving us a brief insight into you? Afternoon, and thank you so much for asking me to join you today. So I'm Julie Dennis. I'm the Head of Diversity and Inclusion for ACAS. I've actually been working as a diversity practitioner for 20 years now. I've been with ACAS for four years And part of my role is to make sure that we give the right up-to-date advice in all areas to do with diversity inclusion to employers and employees. But also my role is to make sure that ACAS ourselves as an employer get it right as well. So really practicing what we preach to other businesses. And we're going to hear a lot more about that, I know, as the podcast goes through. So first of all, I think it'd be really useful for our listeners if you could just give us an insight into what is the role of ACAS? So ACAS is a government organisation and we provide free and impartial advice to employers and employees on all matters to do with employee relations or issues within the workplace. And there's a couple of roles that we do there. So we prevent or resolve disputes between employers and their workforce. We provide information, advice and training. So we've got a website with lots of free guidance for people on there. We settle complaints about employee rights. So if people are in conflict with their employer and want to go to an employment tribunal, you come through ACAS first. And we try to resolve that at that early stage. And most importantly, we encourage people to work together more effectively. Thank you. Just thinking about the pandemic, have there been any impact on ACAS's role? Have you seen increases, changes in demand? What are you seeing as a result of the pandemic? I'm I'm always fascinated about the different areas the pandemic has affected. That's a really good question. And actually, for us in ACAS, the past year, we had to pivot to address our customer needs. And we had to respond really fast in this ever-changing world of work. We identified the need, we responded, and we iterated to ensure that even in the most difficult circumstances, people were treated with respect. 
So, for example, when businesses and people needed clear, calm, trustworthy and impartial advice on quick changing legislation and government support, you know, we were there. When people were being laid off or put on to furlough, needed to understand their rights, we were there. When businesses needed to restructure or introduce redundancies, we were there to advise on how to do that right. And we worked closely with our social partners to ensure our advice was heard and trusted. In order to respond to COVID-19, ACAS ourselves moved from around 5% of our workforce working from home to 100%. And we did that in less than a week. And in March 2020, calls to our helpline increased from 3.5 thousand calls a day to over 15,000 in one day. Um, Yeah, it is absolutely huge. And I'm extremely proud to work for an organisation that have got amazing people that just stepped up to the plate and responded and, and did the best we could to make working life better for everybody through such really difficult times. One of the other things we did in responding to COVID is we published a partnership statement on redundancy handling with the TUC and the CBI, because, again, we were seeing, unfortunately, a lot of redundancies coming through, especially at the early point of COVID. So a lot of changes we had to step up to. What's really struck me about that is how quick you were to react. Mm. Amazing response but also how you were able to pivot your services. Let's be honest, you'll probably never go back to the way you were because you've now found a completely different way, I presume, of offering your services. We have, we have. And actually, because of that, we're in the process. We're going to be launching a new ACAS strategy on the 1st of June. So hopefully when this podcast is out, our strategy will be out all the businesses re-look at our purpose. One of our biggest areas of work that we delivered was face-to-face training. So we had to re-look at that. And again, our good practice services really worked really well to go from face-to-face to digital training. So we had the same issues that all companies have, trying to get to grips with Zoom, with Microsoft Teams, you know, I've lost count the amount of times we've all said you're on mute and stuff like that. And it, we felt we were in this together. And I think for people in ACAS, it was about our chance to step up and demonstrate how important it is to make sure that you get the very basics right when it comes to employee relations, because it was new for everyone. What we found in those early days as well, that employers were making a lot of rash decisions because they were panicking and so we were hearing stories from our helpline especially in relation to the world of diversity where employers were possibly doing things that were bordering on indirect discrimination because they thought they were doing the right thing so they were furloughing women who were pregnant people with disabilities and older workers instead of actually saying to individuals what would you like? Yes, in a majority of cases, people were wanting that, but it was about asking and people giving people the choices. So there were a lot of employers that were getting it a little bit wrong. And it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years to see what the repercussions of that will be. And I know in ACAS, when we're looking at conflict, we are seeing if there are things starting to come through where individuals feel that they were treated unfairly even though it was probably inadvertently done. 
So I want to bring Caroline in. And Caroline, I know you've worked with Daycast for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. You'd like to share, you know, from your side how ACAS has taken a key role and what's changed and how you see that progressing absolutely I mean I personally my work group at Simpson Mediation Council have really felt every turn ACAS's support so I think a shout out thank you to you and your colleagues Julie for that I mean we've we've held many conferences and been supported by many organizations and every single one virtual and or in person there's been an ACAS speaker and Julie you, you spoke for us on this very topic you know, a couple of years back. So that's really important because it's not just turning up and presenting. It's been much more than that with ACAS. It's been a real willingness to engage with us and, for example, promoting our events to regions, particularly we went up to Newcastle. We had hardly any contact with Civil Mediation Council in Newcastle and ACAS were able to swiftly make sure that that event that we were putting on went to that whole network locally and a lot of businesses turned up. I was personally grateful because Civil Mediation Council, it's a charity. We only have two employees at uh, Civil Mediation Council. The rest of it are so all working for the good of getting the word out there about mediation. I know things are sometimes tight with resources, also duly for ACAS as well. But so yeah. to find the time and energy. So that partnering, I think is what I really want to call out, not just with ACAS, but also with our colleagues at the CIPD as well. I know We just had a a podcast recently with Peter Cheese as well. So there's a real collaboration here happening within our industry. And it's that collaboration that I think is going to help us manage and prevent conflict that's destructive at work and strengthen relationships and get the word out there around how understanding and getting to grips with this toolkit that ACAS are making more available and the Civil Mediation Council are promoting as well can really help managers and employees have strengthened relationships and that impacts their wellness and their well-being as much as anything else. I totally agree actually Caroline with that and again that's the aim of our new strategy. Our enduring process is to make working life better for everyone in Britain and we can't do that on our own you know we all know 2020 was a challenging time for everybody and it did generate the greatest public health and economic emergency of all time really and The experience of COVID-19 does and will provide us with this historic opportunity to shape a better world for work, create better workforces, workplaces and better working life. And it is only through partnership working that we can have that impact and bring the economy forward. Our strategy itself, it sets out some real practical steps how we want to do that. And, And one of those is actually creating better partnerships with our stakeholders. And also making sure that we're getting out into the regions, because, again, we know that different parts of the UK have been affected differently over the last 12 months. And again, some of the things that have happened is increasing that conflict in the workplace, because some people feel that some people are to blame for certain things that happen or certain people are probably better off than others and again that's where that conflict comes doesn't it in the workplace so mediation and trying to resolve conflict at that really early stage is a win-win for everybody really. And I think that's a really good point all of those pressures that have gone on around us both personally and professionally quite often come to a crunch yeah there's a conflict situation at work and we never know what's been going on outside but quite often it's where it to work where it manifests itself. 
research has been quite extraordinary that's been conducted recently that's been pushed out there. Around seven in 10, I think organizations say it's time consuming, more than half you're saying ACAS are reporting it's negatively impacting their culture. It's the most common cause of disputes at work followed by interpersonal conflict within teams. So it's quite striking that number, those numbers and the cost to businesses, it's very hefty cost. It is a very hefty cost. And yeah, we've just published some major new research on the 11th of May. That was developed and commissioned by ourselves. And it was carried out by the universities of Sheffield and Westminster. And that actually examined the total cost to organisations in handling informal, formal and legal processes, but also the cost of sickness absence, presenteeism and resignation. So some of the key findings in that research was workplace conflict cost the UK £28.5 billion a year. That's a, you know, a lot of money. And the average cost of conflict per employee is around a thousand pounds. And 9.7 million UK employees experienced conflict in 2018-2019. So, you know, it will be interesting as we get back to the world of work and we start coming out of our homes or going to a more hybrid model of working of how that conflict may manifest. And again, we also saw the cost of conflict people having to work from home, haven't we, you know, during the last 12 We've seen the impact on people who may be living in a household where there's domestic abuse happening. For some people, going out to work is sanctuary, isn't it? So being in the workplace or people having to manage people's mental health and all of that. And again, that conflict and that pressure. And, and I suppose I've heard people talking about they've been working from home and there's no break from home and work and working longer hours and feeling the back-to-back calls and that again can build up and people who are normally quite cordial with each other are getting quite snappy and and that again is where conflict can happen and sometimes it's just so easy isn't it if you can just take a step back and go you know I'm really sorry I'm having a bad day I didn't mean to shout at you I didn't mean to snap at you We'd like to be like that as human beings, but I think, you know, sometimes when we're in work, we find it really hard, don't we, to have those conversations that we might have out of work. And part of the research we've done is showing that investment should be made effective and early resolution. And again, that's where mediation comes in, isn't it? That having that independent person to mediate between both parties can be really beneficial. They both think they're right, don't they? So... But also they need to be able to have safe, confidential discussions with someone that might never see them again, who can't hold it over them or they're worried about they've shared something or it, it needs to be completely separate. I think there's another thing that conflict can do, which businesses don't always recognize. It can get in the way of change and transformation. during a time when we actually need to be nimble and able to grow, develop. And if it restricts business growth and change, it can affect the whole company's future from a potential perspective. Now, that's very deep and heavy, but I think sometimes people forget that conflict can get in the way of businesses continuing to develop. When you look at the change model, you know, there is that that part, within that of the storming part isn't it of people that fear Mm. the different 
again, people will react in different ways, won't they? And, and yeah, we do become defensive sometimes. And again, that may come across as being aggressive or being awkward. And again, creating that conflict within the workplace because of fear. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years now. I mean, I started my career in the fire service. So having to, to work on fire stations and, and dealing with workplace bullying. And again, it was a very pressurised environment because of the work that firefighters do and, and the banter that they have. A lot of the time when I used to deal with issues, I knew deep down if an individual had done something that had upset somebody else, that had not been their intention. You know, and I truly, truly believe the majority of us, when we go to work, do not get up in the morning and think, right, who can I upset today? <laughs> you know, the majority, you know, we don't sit there doing and think, right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to either, I'm going to go and sexually harass this person today, or I'm going to upset this person and make a comment that because I don't know about their personal life or all so I, I think genuinely sometimes people just get it wrong or some people just don't think about what they're going to say before they say it it's really important to have those conversations earlier on because once you start going down that formal route it starts getting really complicated and starts getting really costly and like you say, people are then end up going off sick. You end up losing good people. And it's very, very hard, isn't it, to put the pieces back together. No matter how hard you try, it is really hard to put yeah, the pieces back together. It's just the financials, it's the, as you said, the in, in emotional yeah. damage, actually, that can be done. I'm very aware we're doing amazingly at sprinting through a podcast and timing. I don't want to go... And have to draw things to a close, Julie, without talking to you about your role, because leading on DNI within ACAS must be fascinating because it's not just about the internal, it's about how you're managing that with your customers yeah. as well. Do you know what, Annette? I feel I have got one of the best jobs ever. I went to uni when I was old as a mature student. Well, I wasn't that mature, I was 25, but I did women's studies. And I can remember when I was studying and I thought, you know, I want to do something where I can change government policy. I can make a difference to someone. And I feel really privileged to have this job at ACAS. And when I was asked to come and work at ACAS, I was absolutely delighted. And it's really good to be able to to actually have those conversations and and make sure that we are making sure that the legislation in the UK is starting to support people who may be disadvantaged. And I think, again, COVID has really highlighted that. I've been saying for the last 12 months, if you'd have put a group of diversity practitioners in a room last January and said, there's going to be this horrendous pandemic who do you think is going to be most effective we would have all said women especially young women single mothers people from different ethnic backgrounds people with disabilities older workers younger workers. we would have said that list of the people that we know have been disproportionately impacted and actually people who were probably in that lower socioeconomic area so because of their lack of education they're in those unskilled roles that have been affected by COVID and it's really good for us at ACAS to be able to to work with government to influence government policy so for example over the last 12 months 
we've been working with Bayes to look at stuff around domestic abuse and advising on that. We've also been giving feedback on government consultations on carers leave and post-pandemic economic growth and also life beyond COVID. We've appeared at select committees on the pressure of employment tribunals and we've also run two employment rights campaigns with, with Bayes. So I work very closely with our policy team. We've published commentary on the issues of mental health and resilience in workplaces, contracts. And again, we included stuff around domestic abuse in that. And again, we've spoken at a lot of conferences, webinars and podcasts. And I've been doing quite a few conferences from the comfort of my own home. I mean, it's been a delight not to have to get on a train at half past six in the morning and, and trudge down to London and being able to, you know, reach out to people. So I feel that I have got my dream job. Absolutely, I've got my and dream just, job. And just to take up on that very briefly, because I know we have to close momentarily, but just to, to say, I think when we ran, one of the conversations we, we ran, so Asian Council, was bullying and sexual harassment, can yeah. mediation work for you? And that was the one, Julie, that you spoke at, and we deliberately wanted ACAS's involvement around that DNI agenda. And it was really striking, the conference, around those themes, and absolutely mediation can work having that debate was really interesting because not everyone thought it could and of course there are situations when it absolutely cannot work but it's actually case by case and having you on that panel was fantastic so thank you oh thank you so much for that caroline one of the other reasons why i love what i do i'm really proud of the fact that i'm from a single parent background i'm a single mum myself and i've been able to get to the level you know so actually when i'm talking about some of the inequalities in society i'm talking from my own lived experience as well so actually being able to relate to people about how this impacts on everyday people in the workplace and recognizing that any of us can be affected by different areas of our protected characteristics and that intersectionality piece as well. Your passion and energy shines through, Julie. <laughs> yeah, they do. It, it is a joy to listen to. You inspire us all, so thank you. I'm going okay. to have to bring it to a close. I can't believe it already, but thank you to you both. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.